Many of the psalms could be called psalms of trust. There seems to be something of um, a, a categorizing that people who study the psalms seem to do. And, and one of the dominant categories, the one, one of the categories that's kind of full, is the category of the psalms of trust. Psalms that call us to faith. Psalm 23 is our passage for today as we go through the psalms and look at the various ways the psalms call us to God, call us to prayer, call us to interaction with what it looks like to be a people of faith. The Lord is my shepherd, I have all that I need. He lets me rest in green meadows, he leads me beside peaceful streams, he renews my strength. He guides me along right paths, bringing honour to his name. Even when I walk through the darkest valley, or in some translations, the valley of the shadow of death, I will not be afraid, for you are close beside me. Your rod and your staff protect and comfort me. You prepare a feast for me in the presence of my enemies. You honour me with, by anointing my head with oil. My cup overflows with blessings. Surely your goodness and unfailing love will pursue me all the days of my life, and I will live in the house of the Lord forever. This has been one of those psalms that is um, probably better known than any other. Perhaps many of you have learnt this psalm by heart, maybe even when you were quite young. Sometimes this is, uh, it's, it's right up there, isn't it, with knowing the Lord's Prayer and knowing Psalm 23. The imagery here, of course, is a reminder of David as a young shepherd boy. Um, he is the one in that circumstance, is in the stories that we know, who protects the sheep at one stage from a bear and at another stage from a lion. And that's those stories, those encounters with the needs of his sheep and the vulnerability of his sheep somehow seems to be invested in this poem, in this prayer. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. If anyone knows how dangerous it is to be a sheep out in the open field, it is David. Um, he knows how often he has had to protect these sheep in these wild places. In fact, that's his only job, is to get, his, get the sheep from uh, it, access to water and access to green grass and, of course, to protect them. And the more he ponders that job, whether this be um, while he's there, there's every possibility. This is a, if you look closely at it, it's a fairly simple kind of poem. If David has written this at 15 or 16 years old, I'm actually not surprised. It's fairly straightforward. It kind of just says how things are. Certainly it plays on this metaphor but if a 15-year or 16-year-old could write this, I'm not surprised at all. It's probably why it's so memorable 
and so easy for us to interact with. Of course, there's every possibility that David is an old man, a king looking back and remembering simpler times, no doubt, and putting together this poem around this metaphor of his memories of what it looks like to be a shepherd. And clearly, at the heart of this is a call for us to trust. It's a reminder that God gives enough. Maybe not all we want, but all we need. This is a picture of God taking you to places of enough. You know, psychologists, modern psychologists tell us that our belief that there is not enough is one of the driving forces in the Western world's desire to do things faster and to get more and more and more. Whether that be good things like education for our children or whether it be more and more finances or whether it be uh, to get more and more done. All of these desires often stem from a desire or a belief that there is not enough. There is not enough time. There is not enough money. There is not enough. And we go through our world pushing ourselves harder and harder and harder. Pushing our loved ones harder and harder and harder. Asking of our bodies and our minds more and more and more. Why? Because deep, deep within us is a very, very strong belief that there is not enough. I love the thought that David writes this late in his life. You've got to remember who he is. This guy's the king. He's got more than anyone. And yet, he needs to remind himself that everything he needs is provided not by his abundance or not by his success, not by his conquering of his enemies. Everything he has, everything he needs is provided for him by Yahweh. If anyone in Israel at this time has any reason to, not, to trust in what they have, it is David. And yet, he insists that what he has is not what protects him. He insists on pointing and giving that title to Yahweh, to the God of all the earth. Yahweh is my shepherd. I have all that I need. 
He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me by still waters. He quiets my soul. What if it is King David? What if it is someone with everything? What if it is a reminder that you and I do have what we need? And that as we follow and trust Yahweh, there is enough. I want to show you um, a painting. This is by Eastman Johnson, 1865, so it's a fair while ago. Um, it is called, of all things, The Lord is My Shepherd. So this is an American painting, and uh, this is uh, a man of African-American descent who, well, in 1865 is quite possibly a slave. He clearly doesn't have much although he is blessed with a room and something of a dying fire next to him. He's got an open book and he's reading. Someone perhaps whom we would say doesn't have all that he needs. And yet, by titling this, pa this painting this way, we are pointed to this psalm that insists we have enough. A simple, quiet, private act of devotional faith. An act of turning to God, perhaps at the end of the day, perhaps at the beginning of the day. Turning to God and reminding himself that he has enough. Reminding himself that there is a shepherd. I want to show you this next painting now. This is a fairly modern painting, actually. Jung uh, Sung Kim has painted this painting and called it Gentle Shepherd. You'll notice here, of course, that um, this is not from Psalm 23. It's certainly shepherd imagery, but very obviously this one who is stooping down in the middle of this pool or river um, is Jesus. I've been looking at this painting a little bit this week and wondering about it, thinking um, what kind of sheep can't put its head down to the water? I would have thought that was kind of automatic for a sheep, wouldn't you? Yet there's, there's something here about... Um, uh, uh, there's a profound act of service invested in this image of Jesus. Um, let me bend down so that... You don't have to. And here is the, he's cupping the water and 
presenting it to this sheep. It is a it is a beautiful beautiful image, and I love I love the colours here. So we've had we've had colours that kind of remind us of um, darkness and lack um, in that first painting, and now we have these bright, vivid greens that really greens and yellows that kind of shine out from this painting. It is a, a painting reminding us of abundance. You know, there's lots of images in Psalm 23, and it has um, it has caused a lot of debate among scholars around um, whether this image of shepherd is kind of carried right through to the end, or whether there are a few images here. Uh, one possibility is that all the way through, and that, so this anointing at the end, or towards the end of this psalm, this anointing of the head, um, that this is uh, an image of a king being anointed. And you can imagine how that would fit into King David's life as well. There are debates around this valley of the shadow of death or this valley of darkness. Um, is this some kind of place that is particularly dangerous for either a traveller or maybe it's something remembered in David's warrior past. Is this a place where he was in particular danger and God helped him find a way out? What is this banquet table? Is this a reference to, a, you know, a, a plateau where the where the grass is green and a, shep and a sheep can have everything they need? Or is this some kind of reference to King David's uh, banquet table where he spreads out everything that the people of Israel who are invited to his banquets could possibly imagine? A, a table that leaves them dazzled as to how, how much and how abundant this banquet will be. There's lots of debates around these, and they're very interesting debates. What I love about what they tell us, though, is how simple this particular poem is and how much it has been taken, as good poetry does, into other situations. It doesn't just leave you stuck with the sheep shepherd image. It invites a lot more. And of course, one of the places this psalm has been taken was taken there by Jesus. Let's have a little bit of a read here. John 10, 11 to 16. This is one of, in the Gospel of John, there are a number of I am statements that Jesus makes very, very provocatively, of course. Um, when Moses at the burning bush asks for the name of this God who is sending him back to his people, uh, this God says, I am Yahweh. I am. And then, of course, um, many, many years later, Jesus takes this on and says a number of I am statements throughout the Gospel of John. 
very, very provocative. Um, the Pharisees, to say the least, didn't like this because it pointed very directly to Jesus as the incarnate Christ, the one who is representing God in our world in a way unlike any other. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd sacrifices his life for the sheep. A hired hand will run when he sees a wolf coming. He will abandon the sheep because they don't belong to him and he isn't their shepherd. And so the wolf attacks them and scatters the flock. The hired hand runs away because he's working only for the money and doesn't really care about the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I know my own sheep and they know me. Just as the Father knows me and I know the Father, so I sacrifice my life for the sheep. I have other sheep too that are not in this sheepfold. I must bring them also. They will listen to my voice and there will be one flock with one shepherd. I am the good shepherd. And this beautiful image is linked straight away with Jesus giving his life for you and for me. This is not a shepherd that is not invested in your life. This is not a shepherd who will run at danger. Now that's important to know, isn't it? Because you and I will face face danger. If life is anything like being a sheep out in the wilderness, then the one thing that is kind of guaranteed is that everything won't go perfectly. But the other thing that is guaranteed by this psalm and now by this teaching of Jesus is that the shepherd is here. The dangers may be around. There may be some in your life and mine who will run. But this shepherd is here in life or death. Many of you will have heard trust or faith described as a muscle. The more you work it out, the bigger it gets. Not that that ever worked for me. But it's a helpful image. Faith grows as we trust. Faith grows when you follow that little prompt that the Spirit puts in your heart. Faith grows when you read your scriptures and ask, how does this apply in my life? Faith grows when you pray when you are afraid. 
Faith grows when you praise when you don't know what the outcome will be. Faith grows with every little encounter with God. And I believe that faith can grow far, far beyond what you and I imagine for ourselves. That's why Jesus told wonderful, wonderful stories of faith. Faith is like a, it's like the smallest seed planted in the ground that grows into a large tree. And much to your surprise, who put that seed of faith in the ground, much to your surprise, it becomes a place of shelter and life for others. I wonder if you think of your faith as small. That's okay. Because everything big grows from something that's small. Everything. And especially, especially faith. I think David's faith has grown. I don't think David always thought, I can go through the valley of the shadow of death and find that I am safe. I don't believe that for a second. Otherwise, David, well, I can't relate to David. My faith grows. And it grows exponentially and unexpectedly. To the point that I believe that you and I can so learn to trust God that we can discover that we can even trust God through death. We trust God in this life now as a way of learning and growing so that we can trust God from here and to resurrection life. That's what following Jesus is. We're good Baptists. You've been baptised. Maybe not. <laughs> Maybe I shouldn't assume that. Um, many of us have been baptised. It's this beautiful, beautiful image of us dying to ourselves as we go under the water and rising to Christ. It is nothing short of a following of Jesus. That is the path that Jesus took. And as Jesus did, even as Jesus lay dead in the tomb, there was a trust. And God proved faithful and Jesus takes the journey from life through death to life if that is the path that Jesus that God has proven faithful to 
for Jesus. When you take up the call to follow, you take that path for yourself. And every little step along it will be a small step of faith that will grow beyond your ability to imagine yourself growing. And I have seen it. I have seen people who have trusted God in a thousand incremental ways throughout their lives take their last breath in absolute faith and certainty that even this will prove okay. Why do I tell you that? Because I think on this side of the grave we underestimate how big our faith is can grow.